don't know about you, but I went out last night to lock up, so I did, and it was very cold. Ferociously cold, I have to say, uh, last night. Uh, but um, hopefully it doesn't get that bad today. Now, though, I want to go to two issues very quickly on this. Um, and I'll give you two, one guest, two issues. Uh, but I'm joined by Senator um, Alice Mary Higgins, who joins me on the line today. And uh, Senator, good morning to you. Hello. Thanks, Hello. Jo- thanks for joining us uh, today. Now, the Civil Engagement Group uh, motion is calling for urgent action nationally and internationally to bring a, a, about a ceasefire in Palestine. Is there a will across the world between the UN and otherwise to do this? So, I believe there is a huge will amongst the public across the world. We've yeah. seen people out in the streets right across this planet <laughs> calling uh, in solidarity um, with with the people trapped into that very small area currently in Rafa, but in Gaza, we've seen a huge spread of solidarity across the world. And I think that the public really want to see governments taking action because, you know, it's not only about uh, the extraordinary uh, human rights violations that we're seeing on the ground and the the incredibly heartbreaking uh, situation in terms of famine now, uh, in terms of the lack of water, in terms of yeah, yeah. of death and dismemberment. It's not just about that. There's also, I think, a sense that our international human rights law, you know, that kind of vision of a better world where all lives are equal, which we, we came to in, uh, in the, you know, after World War II, that that feels a little bit like it's under threat because of the failure um, to, to take actions and to deliver any consequences under that international law to Israel. But we had the um, we had the wonderful ambassador indeed, uh, the Polish ambassador, in with us this morning. And I, I spoke to him at the time and I said, we're, we're in changing times. And he said, no, we're in challenging. And he didn't say no. He said, they're challenging times that they're in. But I don't know how much, and, and again, I'm, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just being too philosophical on this, but I don't know how many times I can turn on the 9 o'clock news at night time or 6 o'clock news in the evening at home and see the amount of people that have been displaced, that have been killed, children that have been maimed. I'm not just talking about in Palestine, I'm talking about in right across the world. It's it's just constant and there's no cost on somebody's life anymore. But I think that there is even the fact that you feel that and that we feel that and it comes from that principle that all lives matter. Yeah, that we, we know that childhood should be childhood. And, you know, we shouldn't take for granted that because we had centuries of colonialism, uh, you know, I don't mean in Ireland, I mean across the world in terms of centuries of, of colonialism, centuries of uh, a world where kind of might was right and big powers was what were what decided. Uh, and, and now we do have principles, the kinds of principles that the UN, uh, you know, UNICEF, that, that, that UNRWA, that the World Health Organization are trying to remind, are reminding us of those principles. And, and it does hurt when we see them violated. But um, as that ambassador said, <clears throat> that's the challenge. And that's why we want to now, this evening, my group, the Civil Engagement Group, will be bringing the challenge to the government and saying, rather than simply uh, expressing distress at the situation, we really need to look to what are the actions that we can take, what are the steps that we can take uh, to give effect to our concern and to that kind of, that we're not just trapped in a, a, a space of constant regret or, or weeping at the situation, but that we're taking actions. And there are actions that we can take. There are a number of actions that can be taken internationally, and there's also actions that Ireland can take and give leadership with on its own. So you know, we've outlined some of them. Yeah. Um, what, I can, I, just There's so many, but I'm going to highlight just a few that we'll be focusing on this evening. 
we'll be calling, first of all, for the government to pass the Occupied Territories Bill. And this is all of this is in the con- situation where while you know, we've had a lot of calls on Israel to, 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 to support ceasefire. We haven't actually seen any consequence or any concrete action that has impacted in any way. So one concrete thing that we could have done, indeed it was from, this bill is from 2018, and I think if we had passed it earlier, um, it would have helped avoid that sense of impunity that Israel seems to be operating under at the moment. But anyway, our bill... From 2018, I'm a co-sponsor of it, it's, it was initiated by Senator Francis Black, um, is a bill that would make sure that Ireland was not involved in trading in goods um, from occup- illegally occupied territories. But I, I think... So, I, I that's mean, a very simple thing, the yeah. government should support it. Okay, but and I, we can go through them, but I mean, if you, if you take, I mean, what you're talking about there, I mean, what happened in, in October, what Hamas did in October is has ignited this. So, I mean... Again, you have to take on board that, I mean, Israel, are, are they're, they're fighting back. Perhaps it's not pro rata as to the way that it should be done. But they want to eliminate Hamas, and that's it. End of story, at any cost. Well, the, first of all, no atrocity, and we condemned the October 7th. Indeed, our motion actually also condemns that, Good. and also calls, of course, for the release of hostages. But one breach of international law does not ever justify other breaches. You know, it's not, it's not a, there is no justification that, that begins, you know, we're uh, killing children at an unprecedented rate, or we are having, uh, you know, 70% of casualties, you know, literally, t- you know, tens of thousands of women and children who are being killed uh, in, with actions that are outside of international law. We're going to ignore the International Court of Justice, which is like the highest level of court we have in the world, who has asked for immediate actions to prevent uh, the risk of genocide, that we're going to ignore that because there's nothing you can put at the end of the because that makes it okay. There's nothing that will justify the kinds of actions that you're seeing. So, of course, you condemn the actions by Hamas, which, of course, are not the beginning. This is a long-standing situation. And one of the real problems is that we've had about, you know, we've had many, many years in which the world... Um, it does a lot of trade with Israel, there's a lot of economic ties um, mm. and a failure to actually stand up okay. and apply international law. And, and another example of that is the EU-Israel Association Agreement. So this is a trade agreement that is giving special and preferential treatment to Israel Israel uh, in terms of its goods. It's, it's an, it's, it's, it comes with a clause whereby it is not meant to be applied if there's any concern in relation to human rights okay. abuses. And, uh, and that's something that we absolutely need to say, you know, are we going to be giving preferential treatment, ignoring the human rights clauses that Europe has in its deal and not taking action under Article 82 to suspend the okay. agreement? I mean, that would have a huge impact because Europe is one of Israel's main trading partner. If if Europe was to say, we're going to suspend this agreement because we're really concerned about the human rights violations, and until you know we see a, a shift on that, we're going to suspend trading. That okay. would have an immediate ripple effect within uh, Israel. So what time is this starting at then, the Civil Engagement <coughs> Group? What time are you meeting at? Um, so we're meeting uh, this evening. It's from 7 till 9. As I say, it's a really comprehensive motion. And will we it be on a rock this TV, will it? Pardon? Will it be on Oroctus TV? It will be on Oroctus TV. And uh, as I say, it's all of, it looks at the trade, it looks at the Occupied Territories Bill, 
which is a really immediate action. Good. It looks at, really importantly, the humanitarian action, I should just mention, that needs to be taken really urgently because we are seeing um, extraordinary vulnerabilities. And we're seeing people being very brave um, in the face of impossible suffering. And we, we see those videos all the time. Okay. Now we're asking Ireland to be brave and to be a leader in, in taking action. And, and crucially, deliver a ceasefire. This is something we're all calling for around the world is an immediate ceasefire. All right. Can I just, um, before I let you go, the, you're calling indeed um, for, you know, sorry, that uh, next Monday, the 26th of February, is the deadline for University of Galway graduates and all other national universities of Ireland graduates and to register to vote in the Shannon's Erin elections, which will be coming up indeed. God knows when. Uh, registration is straightforward. Graduates fill out a form and they download it from NUI Galway website, nui.ie, uh, and email it back to records at nui.ie. Uh, and uh, you want them to do that uh, before next Monday, 26th of Feb. Yep. It's just a reminder, of course, we need Shannon reform and more people should have votes in the Shannon. That's something I'm continuing to campaign for. But in the meantime, anybody who does have a vote, I'm really urging them to make sure that they claim their vote um, before the 26th of February. And you can visit www.nui.ie to make sure you do that. All right. Thank you for joining us. And, um, thank, thank you so much for, for having me. You, you will be going in the Shannon election in October, I take it, will you? Uh, well, I will be going in the Shannon election whenever it, whenever it arrives. Come on, just tell me you know it's October. <laughs> <laughs> in there, absolutely, yes. October, well, if the election is October, you'll be going into... Could be could be December or January for the um, exactly and uh, and I should just people should of course make sure they're registered for the referendum that's coming up as well yeah, and not it's not just about the Shannon because that's going to be really important I'm I'm campaigning for a yes yes on that all right thank okay. you for joining thank us so uh, today and uh, very good morning to you thank you indeed for joining us Alice Mary Higgins Senator Alice Mary Higgins joining us uh, there uh, on the line there's a lot of um, comments just have come into us today let me just give you. Um, do, 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 do. Let me give you some of them. Uh, Keith, we have enough social housing here in Octacara. The area is deteriorating poor our eyes. Galway City Council and Galway County Council uh, own and um, land near the airport. If they're so anxious to put up housing, why don't they build out there? We have no bypass in Galway. We don't have a single TD that is pushing for this bypass. They can't push for it. It's in on board Planola. There's nothing they can do. Uh, please get somebody on to talk about this. And what are they doing about this bypass? Uh, we want to see action. Well, you can see no action on the board plan. I'll look it off their bums and determine. That's it. And just out of interest, this caller said, um, I haven't received any literature in relation to the upcoming referendum. I'm just wondering, has anybody else out there? I don't think so. Kids, you kind of announced our upcoming cake sale, which was held in the Sacred Heart Church, uh, Galway on Sunday, the 18th of February. I'd really appreciate it if you could announce on your airways that we raised €3,410 in aid of um, our family who are currently struggling in Rafa in Gaza. Here we go again. That unfortunate story is still in my head. Uh, Keith Finnegan already interviewed my son, uh, Durgham Mustacha, in January about our GoFundMe. We'd also like uh, to him to announce our winners of the raffle for the Kevin kindly picked the winning tickets. But Nancy Kennedy, Cara Park, is first prize. Eilish Kadairi Minkloon is second prize. And Nushin Javaland uh, in Barn is third prize. And we'd like to thank uh, Father Kevin in helping us uh, make the cakes here such a success. We'd also like to thank all the people who kindly baked cakes, helped us on the sale, and all those who donated as well generously. Uh, to our fund to help our family in Gaza. Anyone who's not been able to attend can donate uh, on Durgham Laura, and that's D-U-R-G-H-A-M-L-O-R-A, and Adam Walk uh, for Gaza, uh, if you enter that into the search engine from there. 
and other calls coming in too. And the NACMA full moon walk uh, run is on the 23rd, the Friday the 23rd of February at 7.30pm. Registration on the evening or online if you want to. And again, individual is €10, euro, families €30. Euro, and you can get further details from Dermot Kelly on that one. Uh, Piero for Carla Strand GA Club. And it's going to be a good night. And don't forget that skincare event as well, by the way, that uh, is taking place uh, tomorrow in Mohan's Pharmacy in um, Cook's Corner. If you want to get further details on that, you can just give them a call. And it's free. It's all free, but it's all to do with your skin, so it is. And you can call Louise or you can call Esther on 0915249880. And it runs indeed uh, tomorrow from 10 a.m. until 1 p.m., but yeah, 4 p.m. But you have to make an appointment. You just have to make an appointment. So call Louise or Esther on 0915249880 and that's Skin Clinic free of charge tomorrow in Mohan's Pharmacy and they'd like to hear you, see you from there. Now, what am I do next? I'll do this. The Motoring Slot in association with Colm Quinn BMW Select. The ultimate finance at Colm Quinn. Whatever BMW model you choose, BMW Select has tailored finance available that is just as impressive as your new car. Contact Colm Quinn BMW on 091 753 Jerry Murphy sits opposite me today. Jerry, when you come into the car park as you do <laughs> each and every second Tuesday or Wednesday, sorry, um, but you brought a machine and a half with you today. I didn't know who was arriving. Yeah, it is a machine and a half. It's a Volkswagen Amarok. Um, and what makes it a machine and a half is its capabilities, particularly off-road. Uh, but before we go off-road, let's talk about its capabilities on the road. Now, this is a big diesel car, three-litre diesel, a V6, which you don't see around the place that often. And it's got uh, all the ability to go off-road, where you can lock the diff, you can go low, high, and four-wheel drive and two-wheel drive. So all the facilities are there. Um, it will, uh, as a towing capacity, is three and a half ton. Um, it's a fantastic machine, really, really stable. Uh, something you ask me every time I come in with a pickup like this is, is it bouncy? The old bounciness has gone out of them. They have really come up to modern standards as far as suspensions are concerned. And the Volkswagen is no different. Um, there's some, there's a lot of things to like. There's probably three, maybe four um, pickups that are in the marketplace for most people. The Hilux, that, the Ranger, uh, which has a, a, a range of different models right up to the mm-hmm. uh, Raptor. But um, as a standard vehicle in four-wheel drive, this is all the attributes. I mean, there's so much power in the engine, it's crazy. Is it um, um, manual or... Uh, no, it's automatic. Automatic. Yeah, it's automatic. A lovely automatic DSG gearbox in it. Um, Volkswagen probably produced the best automatic gearbox there is. I have wow. been doing that for 10 years now, I would say, off the top of my head. But it's a, a towing capacity of three and a half tonne. These things are important to the people that might have them. Uh, unladen weight with this car is uh, 2.3 tonne. So you are looking at a payload of 573 kilograms. Um, so those things are very, very important. Um, the gross vehicle weight is 3.1 ton. So these things are important to people that might want to use them. But you get n- nothing but absolute um, ability uh, f- from this. In- internally, it is... Um, that perfect combination between robust enough for a working man and comfortable enough and luxurious enough for somebody that might so, not use it for 
um, off-road stuff that much. Um, so it w- it's, it's not bouncy on the road? No. Okay. No. Clarify that. And could you have um, a mom, dad, two, three kids in the back? Yeah. There's uh, a now. bench seat in the back that'll take three adults. Three adults? Uh, not kids even. Three fully grown adults and uh, two seats up front, one for the passenger, one for the driver. Beautiful seats. Like really sturdy stuff. Good. Um now, the reason why they have to have enough space in the back seat for adults is simple, because if it's a working vehicle and you're sending the crew out to do a job, they'll all fit in it snugly, yeah. no problem. Uh, plenty of space. Price-wise? Price-wise, sitting out there, this one is €73,086. Starting price, 72000 uh, but there are some optional so extras on that. There isn't much between the two. No, there's price. only 830 for paintwork. Um, oh. But other than that, but you can see the dimensions of it are lovely. Um, mm. um, the amount of chrome per metal and per paintwork and glass, I think, is really, really nice mm. in this car. Um, and the, and the payload at the back, or the the, can, the thing at the back, you, you can yeah yeah, it'll take it'll take two full pallets. Um, wow. Well, um, in the back of it, um, and as I say, a payload of uh, nearly six hundred kilograms. All right, and uh, price-wise, so... Uh, price-wise, as I said, 73,086 yeah. euro as it sits out there. The, sec- the second car, indeed, is a monster of a car altogether. Yeah, and this, it's all, this it's is, all electric, yeah, I mean... But this is funny now, because these are, these are two big cars uh, to do a job that are so far apart as far as... Um, um, the, 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 the power that drives them. Mm. The Kia EV9 is... is uh, biggest car in the marketplace. Uh, the GT line, which I was driving, is a six-seater um, vehicle for people who might want six. They can have seven seats as well if you want it that particular way. Um, it has a starting price of 77500 So there's not an awful lot of difference between the Amarok sitting out there and the no, Kia EV9. Th- this one looks like as if it would make it's a great big, taxi. It's big. Oh, I would think probably not. No. I just think the layout and the configuration of it may not suit uh, taxing. It suits a family. Okay. It suits it's it suits a mum and dad uh, with a number of children uh, for school runs and all of that sort of stuff. But it's huge. It's a massive big car. It's bigger than a Land Rover, I suspect, if I was to do the dimensions of it. Um, it's massive. But it is massive, and it's so packed with technology you wouldn't believe i mean the 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 front dash is covered from in front of the driver right over to uh, more than halfway across the dash with the singular screen with everything on it uh, i'd have to say um one that would take a little bit of caution driving it it wouldn't be for me or you or our lifestyle but wow what a car and the other thing is that it'll go from naught to 100 kilometers an hour in something like 5.4 oh. seconds or something like that now that's porsche kind of levels uh, for this wow. it looks i mean it looks quite amazing I'm just but it's a statement mind. car from kia it is it a just statement goes car. to show exactly what they're capable of um, is it in uh, Kieran Moore on a pop up Oh yeah, absolutely. I've seen one outside. Five hundred and twelve kilometres on a charge. It's not far off that. I think four sixty nine or something like that. I got out of it. So that's not too bad. Okay. Um, not an awful lot of motorway work on that, by the way. 
Um, finally, the uh, new Opel Astra. Yeah, this is an exciting time for Opel because at long last, uh, I mean, they've had the Astra for a while and everybody loves it and, and they've been threatening to bring it out in all sorts of configurations over the years. It's a nice car. But the Astra EV has now arrived. I'm going, I have it booked for later on uh, in a month or two uh, and I'd be very excited to see what it can do. There's over 400 kilometres in a, in a charge in it 418 to be precise um, it's a car that I've liked in the format that has been brought out recently mm. and I'm looking forward to driving the EV to see what it's really like um, I, I saw it and I saw it and um, what did I see was it on the telly or something or other? I saw it and it's a nice looking car yeah, it's, it's, good really looking. Looking. It's, it's kind of a traditional shaped hatchback mm. you know which uh, was Ireland's favourite car for many many years still is I suppose to a degree uh, the C-Class, um, but uh, it was launched at the EV show last uh, Saturday mm. and uh, we're looking forward to getting our hands on it a little bit later on, but check out with the dealers because they might have access to one or two shortly. All right, Murph, thank you for joining us. Uh, Jerry Murphy in the driving seat, and our thanks to Jerry uh, for uh, joining us uh, today, and that's some machine, so it is. A, a bit of turf to bring home now, Jerry, at the weekend, so I'll, do, I'll be done to collect it from you, Simon. What'd you say? Get us an old cover to put on the dash so that we won't fill it with turf dust and uh, we'll be able to just throw it out afterwards and I'll bring the turf home for you, Keith, no problem. Good luck. Thanks for joining us. I wish I had it to bring home. The Motoring Slot, in association with Column Quinn BMW Select. The ultimate finance at Column Quinn. Whatever BMW model you choose, BMW Select has tailored finance available that is just as impressive as your new car. Contact Column Quinn BMW on 091 753 Now, very good morning. Welcome into today's programme. I haven't spoken to my next guest in a long number of years indeed. Father Eamon Conway is a priest of the Archdiocese of uh, Tune. He's also a professor of internal human development at Notre Dame University in Australia and he joins me on the line from Australia this morning and we're looking at a special event indeed our parish facing the future and uh, Dr. Raymond Conway good morning to you. Good morning Keith it's been far too long it's lovely to be with you again. It's nearly 20 years I'd say since we spoke 15 at least anyway but anyway it's great to talk to you. Do you remember I once presented your programme for you when you were off having a holiday? You did, you did. I said that to one of my colleagues today. And you were an excellent broadcaster, <laughs> by the way. Well, and you still are. Listen, congratulations uh, on this. Um, but our parish facing the future, and the date really we're looking at here is the 26th, Monday the 26th of February on this one. How is this going to work? Yeah, there's a series of, of talks in uh, Knox Shrine, a lot of uh, indeed familiar names and, and faces uh, to which people are invited. And I think they'll get further information on that on the Knox Shrine website and indeed from uh, the team there. Uh, I suppose it's really, uh, Pope Francis has initiated a, a very fundamental root and branch rethink of how, not changing the essentials of our faith at all, but realising we're in a very different world now than we were many, many years ago. And, and we need to look at how we can reinvigorate Christian faith. And I don't, I don't think any of our listeners who are interested in church this morning listening to us have any doubt at all that something fresh is needed, a fresh approach is needed. And I suppose, you know, Pope Francis talks about this as a change of epoch. And I think we experience that in our day-to-day lives. We experience mm. very different sense of community, um, a very different sense of the workplace, very different sense of, of family, family life, family bonds. 
we're looking at a world that's becoming increasingly fractured. Um, we're looking at the credibility crisis within the church. There are so many different things we need to respond to. And I suppose when you're in the middle of something, it can be very difficult to realise uh, that there's something much, much deeper perhaps happening by way of a change in our world. The impact of technology, for example, it would be yeah. would be a huge one. And as I was thinking of how I might explain this to, to, to your listeners this morning, what I'm feeling, I was thinking about 20 miles down the road from you there, maybe even less, Hetford. We're all, many, many of us I'm sure are familiar with the beautiful ruins now of Ross Abbey. Yes. And if you think that in the, in the 1400s, that was built sometime around 1460, new friars moved in, people travelled from all over the world, uh, it was, you know, a centre of faith, a centre of vibrancy, it was a great presence in the local community, and 400 years later it was in ruins, sometime in the 1860s. Yeah. That was, you know, we, we drive past those ruins now. We don't think a, 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 a thing about the fact that they are ruins. That was a very different epoch. And to some extent, our church now is in ruins as well. And we see parishes closing. We see older older priests, priests being stretched much more, very often maybe three, four funerals a week in different parishes and yeah. so on. We're in a very different stage. And we need to rethink this very fundamentally. So Pope Francis has initiated what he calls a, a synod, which is a time for people to come together from all over the world to look very fundamentally at what needs to happen in our church. And the big shift he wants is to stop seeing for a providing clergy, clergy that are kind of the, the doers and the action and a provided for laity. We need to move away from that model. That's not essential to the nature of the church. It's actually an aberration. And realize that every single baptized person, by being baptized, you're actually taking on a mission in the church. You're taking on to be another Christ. And that there are many, many gifts lying dormant in our parishes, in our, in our communities. Yeah. And I think people sense this. I think there's a great excitement among many people who want to get involved in the life of the church and actually have a say in it and a say in the future of it. And are you saying then, so I mean, the, the event we're talk, talking about there is uh, Monday, the Monday next 26th, indeed, if But are you saying that it will be equal for male and female, indeed? Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. But the church already is equal for ma male and female. And I know the issue of getting that there because it probably it's the obvious one to go for is ordination. But just to say, there are many parts of the world where they do not see ordination being restricted to men as being a matter of equality. They see it as a matter of function. They mm. see men and women exercising leadership in very different ways in the church. And, you know, I was at the Synod of Bishops in Rome last October, and I can tell you that is not the driving question for many of the women who are present there. They want to have the way to bring their distinctive giftedness into the life of the church. They look at, at, the, at, the, at, at the way men and women exercise leadership as, as very different. And if you look at the Church of Ireland, for example, and yeah. the Reformed churches generally, where they have openness to ordination men and women, it's not solving their problems. No, it's not. So, I mean, who will be present and who should go um, to the event? Well, I, I gather that in the Archdiocese of Tuam there, uh, for example, uh, the whole issue of pastoral councils um, and trying to reconstitute pastoral councils where teams of, of lay people uh, work in, in the leadership of parishes attracted overwhelming numbers over the last um, number of months. Um, they would, I think these talks will be of great interest to them, I hope. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a worldwide movement, by the way. Just last week, I had a, a talk here in a parish in, in Perth. We had over 100 people at it. Um, there is a huge interest, really, among a certain generation. I know younger people, but young people seem to be detached from many, many different institutions, not just the institution of the church. But there is an older generation that do want, they realise we have a crisis of well-being. We have a crisis of, of mental health in our, in our, in our world. And many people are 
looking for ways to address the deeper questions of meaning and they want the church to, st to, to be able to address those questions. So many people are engaging in, I think, in a fresh way and Pope Francis is opening that door for us. I think a lot of parishes are struggling um, and I think a lot of the, of the older generation of priests are struggling as well because it's okay for you because you're one of the younger ones but I mean some of the older ones, I was at a mass recently indeed, I'm not going to say where or otherwise, and the, the, the priest in question was so disconnected from the um, congregation that was in the church um, that, that I was getting vexed for him because he was so disconnected and his yeah. His homily was so off the wall, to be quite honest, and he meandered. Yeah. But I, I think it's those people that have kept the church alive. But yeah. change change has to come. And I, I like the idea of what you're talking about, that, you know, those that are baptised can be part of the solution. Well, well, they, they, they have to be. And look at that, what you just said there is not acceptable. It's just not acceptable. And what we need is to do away with the a culture within the church, Pope Francis names it as clericalism, where that can't be addressed, where people don't feel free to say, look at Father, I don't think that really worked this morning, <laughs> you know? And and in fact, one of the things on the agenda to consider is uh, that lay people would not just be readers at Mass, but on special occasions may also give the homily. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was one of the matters discussed last October in Rome and uh, as part of this synodal process. And seen a whole variety of ministries and gifts. That, as I say, we're not just going to see the church centred around the priest. That would be a bit like seeing uh, the GA club centred around the officials and not centred around the players. Yeah, you know, and that's oh, we've okay. had that for too long. But then I'd be, I would be and excited. I, I would be excited. I would really be excited if I thought, um, Father Eamon Conway, that that this was the change. But can can we do it in my lifetime, in your lifetime, rather than leaving it to another generation? <laughs> Look, at you know, it's it's. I, I would hope so. I, as I say, I do think, I was very heartened when I heard that so many people in Chum, anyway, and maybe in the other dioceses in the West as well, turned out and wanted to be part, actively part of the pastoral councils. I think, I think for too long we haven't activated the gifts and and the and the energies of lay people, um, but we have. You're right, and and look at. I think there's been a lot of talking about this, uh, and it there there it's an issue of power. I think we have mm. to name it as such. I think people are sometimes slow to let go of of control. But what's happening is not working, and it's not and it's not of God. It's not of God. It's not of Christ. I mean, there is a hunger for Christ's love in the world, and that has to overtake everything else in our lives. We have to really, every one of us, priests, and by the way, I like you calling me one of the younger priests. I'm 37 years ordained this year. Um, but a, as you say, relatively speaking... Just a, you're still I a young man. I, 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 you, never ask, you never ask a padre his age. like. But I'm, I'm 62 in April, and I still feel a young man, so I do. Uh, but I still feel, you know, that... The older generation of priests, or some of them, some of them only, are finding it difficult um, to engage oh, in change. Without a shadow of a doubt. One of my friends, who is a priest, a classmate, um, he, he's, he's in, in the Dublin Diocese. I, some of your listeners may remember Beaugest, the film Beaugest, where, there, where soldiers are surrounded in a castle in North Africa by the natives, and there's only two or three of them left. And they run around behind the parapets, propping up the dead bodies, pointing out the rifles and trying to pretend there's still a legion um, keeping things going. And he says, that's what's happening. The, the, the priests who are still functioning yeah. in parishes, they're, they're running around being stretched more thinly over more and more parishes. And Absolutely. that's not sustainable. That's not. And it's actually very disrespectful to the gifts and of, of the lay people who are not 
empowered to act and indeed it's not respectful of the of priests as they reach an age when they really should be able to enjoy their retirement okay. you know so monday 26th then indeed who are we as a local faith community professor Raphael luciana i think it is from um, boston college is going to be there so they need to register in advance on that one i take I, I gather so. The details are probably on the Knock website. Are indeed from from the Knock Shrine uh, so team you, there. And look, at, this is a conversation. Hopefully, we'll be able to continue it. Keith, it's been great to be back on with you again. Thank you. Absolutely. Don't go me yet. I have another question for you. Don't be going. Uh, oh, so the location right, is St John's Welcome Centre in Knock Shrine, and again, it'll be running from eight thirty to nine thirty p.m. But you can get further details from Knock Shrine for further details there. Uh, you can ring Father Richard Gibbons on 087, I'm only joking, but you can ring Knock Shrine on 094 That's 094 How long more are you going to stay in Australia, can I ask you? Yeah, I divide my time, uh, very thankfully, between Australia. The weather here has been really good at the moment. Sorry to have to get that in. Uh, but I divide my time between Notre Dame University here and uh, and Ireland. So it's 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 lovely, really. It's nice to be part of a, a bigger university, very a university very committed to its Catholic identity, and really really good students and colleagues. Um, so it's it's a four year commitment, and I'm enjoying uh, the opportunity. Very grateful for the opportunity to work at this level for a while. So uh, really really good after twenty three years in Limerick uh, so I was ready for ready for a change so is it the same as Notre Dame that in, in the USA in Notre Dame that's in um, Kalmar Abbey is it the same Notre Dame yeah it's a, it's a sibling university so it was founded with the support of and enabled by Notre Dame in the US yeah so oh. they were the inspiration for it and we work very closely together as universities so yeah we, we, work, we work through what they call their global gateways which includes the one in Kalmore yes indeed I, I spent a day with them last August so I did with the mayor of Galway City and uh, and a delegation and what a wonderful bunch of people they are absolutely superb so you're lucky to be one of those and I'm glad that they have adopted you uh, for the four year <laughs> period but the next time you're back give us a call and we'll have uh, we'll have a cup of tea uh, Father Raymond Conway thank you so much for joining us further details on that now by the way just go to uh, the website for Knock if you want to get further details on that again the number up there if you want to call them is 0949388100 or knockshrine.ie Oh, very good morning to you. A very strong response, I have to say, to uh, Eamon Conway. I really have to say a very strong um, and, and positive response uh, to uh, him. And the caller said to us uh, today, Keith is taking the church, uh, i.e. ordained men centuries to allow women uh, to even serve, read, ministers of the Eucharist, etc. Women are good enough to clean the church, arrange flowers, etc. It's the women who stood by Jesus on the cross. Wake up and look at the serious role women clergy in the Church of Ireland. It's time to move on, this uh, caller said. And uh, Keith, it's lovely to hear from Father Eamon uh, Conway again. Uh, I love his soothing voice uh, from there. Another caller said to us, uh, Keith, I received my booklet. I read the March the 8th referendum in the Post on Monday. And I live in Kinvara. And another caller said to us, Keith, I got the referendum literature today. So it's all on the way, this caller said. And uh, Keith, uh, good morning, Keith. When did CityLink bus service start charging five euro for people using free travel? I thought free meant free. So did I. Let's see what goes there. And other co comments coming into us as well. A lot though positive just about uh, Father Eamon Conway. Further details so can be had uh, from Knock Shrine. Let me go to Claudia Roof, who joins me on the line because uh, she's part of indeed Enable Ireland. And the Spring Clean campaign returning, uh, urging Galway residents to donate their once-loved items to support vital services for people with uh, disability. Uh, Claudia, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. How are you today? I'm good today, thank you. So you want, you want people not to dump or discard, donate. So all the Ds. 
Absolutely, because spring is definitely the time of the year that we all look to declutter our homes and what no longer may have any use for you could be exactly what someone else is looking for. So we really urge everyone to go through their wardrobes, kitchen presses and chest of drawers and give their unwanted items a second life. Because oh. by donating, yeah, sorry. No. What, what, what type of material can you take? Because I know some charity shops won't take books and they won't take furniture and that, but what, what will you take in Enable Ireland? Okay, so uh, our shop in Galway, because of the size, furniture definitely is a problem. Uh, there are bigger Enable Island shops like in uh, Limerick, but will take furniture. But Galway is more like a boutique style. So we take uh, clean, good quality clothes, shoes, handbags, accessories, towels and linens, homeware, glassware, collectibles, books and unwanted gifts. Now, unfortunately, we cannot accept donations of any electrical items dirty or soiled items or broken items. We don't take mattresses, duvets or pillows, and that is all due to the high cost of disposal. Yeah, no, no, I fully understand that. Now, the first person that would arrive into Cross Street with a mattress, you run them out the door so you would, and tell them to go, get, <laughs> go, go from there. Well, we do it in a nice way. <laughs> yeah, but firm, Miss Roof, you, you, you do it, you do it in a nice way. Um, yeah. But again, so you're based on Lower Cross Street there, aren't you? You're close to Keneally's yes, Funeral yes. Undertakers and that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the Galway shop is there. We have shops all uh, over Ireland. Of course, we have uh, with shops and garden centres. We have about 25 in Ireland. And you can also find um, our actually our textile banks. And you can also donate in any TK Max store. If you want uh, to know the locations for our textile banks, you can find it on www.enableisland.ie. And all over County Galway, there are actually quite a few textile banks people can donate their textiles in. Wow, wow. That's a, and again, are they recycled then? Are Because I see people putting clothes, yes. in, cl clothes in, but I hope they put clean clothes into it rather than just dumping duvets um, and other stuff in there. Uh, uh, Regretfully, of course, not everybody put in clean clothes and sometimes yeah, it definitely is a dumping place for things we don't want. But um, last year we actually recycled over 1,600 tons of donated clothes through our charity shops and uh, through our warehouse. But for whatever reason we cannot sell will also be recycled. So textiles we can recycle. There is a company who take textiles for recycling. And what do they do? Do they cut them up and, and repurpose them then? Is it? Well, I actually, because my curiosity, I'm always curious. So I asked um, the person who uh, picks up our textiles and he said, first, um, it, there is a local market. So things might be very usable, but we say couldn't sell it. So you can go to a, a recycling center and buy and then generally buy by the kilo. What we cannot sell, but what is still wearable goes to Africa, he told me. And that what is really not sellable is cut up and will be recycled. And it would be mainly... Um, yeah, blankets, um, blankets or cleaning cloths. Yeah, that kind of stuff that they make out of it. Yeah. Wow, it's it's fascinating, and thank you for doing the research on it because I just wondered at the what they do with them, and when you see these clothes banks out there, you just kind of question. Yeah. You, once the clothes goes into it, okay, the householder they've gotten rid of it, but then somebody has to deal with what they've gotten rid of. So let's hope that they do it properly. Yes. So. Um, uh, does the charity shop, oh, I've lost it again, does it, is, <laughs> do, do you accept toys, this caller wants to know? Uh, yes, we actually also do toys, but um, please make sure that the toys are in, in working order. We often get toys that the batteries are left in and they're rusted. 
Okay. So they're no good, and then it, it's very, very hard to get rid of uh, old toys. So the the toys have to be in good working order. And does uh, this charity shop, which is in Abel Ireland on Lower Cross Street, uh, accept small children's clothes? We do indeed. Yeah. So you do children's clothes there as well. Yeah, we do children's clothes as well. Yeah. Okay, and uh, you take shoes as well. Yeah, and we take shoes as well. Again, when the shoe—I mean, when the hole is in the in the bottom of your shoe, please uh, recycle it. <laughs> but otherwise, yes, we have no problem uh, with shoes. Yeah, but you know, it's it's all it's common sense, really. So it is, but it's about making people uh, just aware that you know, don't just dump something yes. on somebody. But I mean, if they're bringing yeah. them into your shop, you load the people that are coming into you if they're donating, and uh, they'll have made an effort to clean them. Absolutely. But I always say when something is good enough to give to a mate, it's good enough to donate. I like that. Give that to me again. So when it's good enough to give to a mate, it's good enough to donate. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that now. So I do. Yes. Listen, <laughs> thank you. And you're in Lower Cross Street. What, what are your, your times of opening and closing? So, um, so we open every day, apart from Sunday. And our opening times in Galway are from 9 to 5. Nine to five. It's like a Dolly Parton song, so it is. But there you yep, go. Yeah, like yeah, absolutely. Working, working That's nine us. to five. All right. Thank you for joining us uh, today, Claudia Roof. Uh, joining us uh, there on the line. And our thanks to Claudia for joining us uh, today. Now we've a lot of comments coming in today. Um, I lost a pair of blue glasses around Portumna Aldi or Melik Church area. If they're found, would you please just contact reception here on oh nine one seven seven not not seven seven. You must be really lost. Uh, Keith, we're short of priests. We're running uh, out of priests, so we are, and um, and we're running priests into the ground as well. Uh, Keith, uh, lovely to hear Father Eamon Conway on the program again. Yes, it was, and he reminded me of many, many years ago. I'd say twenty, twenty more, more than twenty years ago, when I was taking holidays, he came in and um, took over the program and uh, did a great job with it as well. And many other calls coming in. They're just complimenting uh, Father Eamon Conway. Now, though, let's head towards the 11 o'clock news and death notices. Stay tuned.